Welcome to a holiday brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet with a carving knife in his hand is Drew Douglas. Drew, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, we're two days away from the big um, holiday. You are even further away than usual. You're back in Colorado. So we're we're like what three hours apart or something? Yeah, that's uh, I'm not yet in another time zone. We're one time zone away from each other yet again. We've always been that after you moved, but it's funny because there you um, you're going through that, and then I did that just for this week, where it's uh, I'm out here in Colorado. It's great. I went out for a walk, and even though it's cold, it's uh, it feels like it's finally feeling like Thanksgiving. I don't know about you. Is it starting to finally soak in that it is? It has been. It actually feels more like Christmas. I'll say that. And it's just like a sopping wet mess here, too. <laughs> it's We finally have some rain, and it's been raining like heavy to light for the last two days, which is mm. nice. Um, but I've been like cranking. We've already started watching Christmas movies, but we're I'm in like full Christmas mode, like Christmas movies. Christmas music all the time listening to that at work or on the way on the way to work or on the way home um so I kind of have I kind of lump Thanksgiving and Christmas together as one two-month you know spectacle it's it's easy to do that I've always done that recently I've tried to end up using the time now with Thanksgiving it's like the precursor it's the it's the pregame if you will where you're leading up to the big Christmas shindig. And now it's funny because with having Thanksgiving, the movie, what we're going to be talking about today, Eli Roth of all people um, creating this movie. It's funny because there's like, we have Thanksgiving horror movies, but they're all like super bad and cheesy, like Thanksgiving. And um, there's like the Poultrygeist. Is this the first Thanksgiving slasher? Because I keep, I keep saying that this is the first of its kind. Like there's yeah. really not been one on this holiday, but I do. They did have like the killer turkey one, which was, yeah, what you pol- what you were talking about, I think. Poultry guys, and then, um, yeah. So then we've had like movies that have taken place on Thanksgiving and a play on this, but I mean it's so interesting because that's another thing talking about Thanksgiving with this. I mean, outside of before we started recording, you said for you and your wife, Lexi. Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles being like a tradition now of like watching that, that I've tried to get my family to start that as well with a tradition. And they're like, they like it, but they don't like it that much. And, but um, yeah, this feel, this is definitely a first of its kind, this Eli Roth film, which, and this makes sense now, but I saw this and I'm like, this can't be right. It's the fourth feature-length film adapted mm. from one of the mock trailers in Grindhouse. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I would have thought this was the first one. I forgot about Machete. And then they did Machete Kills and then Hobo with a Shotgun, which I've never seen. Totally forgot about. Oh, you know you know, Rob Zombie's going to do that. Is it Werewolf Women of the SS or something like that? He probably should have done that already, though. <laughs> I would actually like to see Edgar Wright's film Don't because of just how eclectic he is. And, and I can't even believe that Edgar Wright was a part of that. Like yeah. that is just uh forgotten knowledge. But when I hear it, I'm like, Oh no, I totally remember that. 
But that is fun, though, because Hobo with the Shotgun, I always forget about that movie in terms of that coming from Grindhouse. That's definitely got that Grindhouse vibe. And, of course, we'll talk about that for Thanksgiving because I feel like, obviously, that trailer was so gritty and grimy and just played into that Grindhouse feel. But I'm really curious to know like, if that is a good thing or it's a, at the detriment of the movie and it should have been more like that because... Um, Machete and Machete Kills definitely, again, was like Hobo with a shotgun, and they played into that. They played into the whole Grindhouse 70s, you know, midnight movie that you would end up seeing that would make you feel like you needed a shower after it. And this is most definitely, it, it feels like a throwback film. I'll say two spoilers mm-hmm. from here on out. This Thanksgiving, there are no leftovers. Gobble, gobble. Which is funny because that was the uh, original tagline in the on the poster for that film, and they stuck with it. They actually had Patrick Dempsey of all people say that line, the first one to say it in the movie. He does, yeah. Um, but going back to the look of this, this is definitely I feel like it's a throwback to some of the slashers that we like, like kind of a '90s mm. vibe to it, but it is not. And we, we kind of talked about this going into the movie was the marketing didn't lean into the grindhouse mm-hmm. look from that mock trailer. And that this is definitely, how do I say it? Like a, um, it's, it's more sleek. Yeah. It's got that studio sleekness to it, which the movie started and there are elements of, I think what Roth did with that trailer, but for the most part. It's like a, a a big studio doing a Thanksgiving horror film. Yeah. And I don't think it hurt the movie in any way. I kind of like that they... I, I guess my thing was watching it. I'm like, uh, I I think the reason they did that is they thought it could be a turnoff, a financial mm. turnoff, which would lead to financial issues, which of... We don't know if young people are going to understand what this is and why it looks this way. So we'll make it kind of sleek, uh, a normal horror film, just set, you know, the same story as that trailer. That was my logic. I don't know if that's accurate or not, or if people would have cared. Maybe they wouldn't have cared. I No, I think you're right, though, because as soon as you do that, you tap into like that niche, um, that niche group of uh, film fans, because Grindhouse, the double feature didn't do so great. Like those are, I would argue, like cult classics overall. Like what came from that is now if you mention Grindhouse, I kind of feel like that's enough of like a, a throwback where it's like, wait, what? Um, and I think with that, you would be limiting yourself because just in the the US, here's here's something that's interesting. I just pulled this up. It was considered a commercial failure, grossing only 25.4 million on a get this how what do you think the budget was for the grindhouse now granted it's two movies robert rodriguez and quentin tarantino and then also paying people like eli roth to create these fake trailers how much money mm. do you think it was made for 65 pretty pretty close i mean that's it, right in the range 53 to 67 million which is like an interesting number that there's about 15 million at play there but still 53 was like 20 to, years ago too so mm-hmm. that was more like, I don't know what that inflates to. And then Machete, it ended up making, let's see here, uh, 
the first film looks like 45 and a half million. Um, I'm trying to find the, the budget here. Uh, t- how, what do you think the budget was for Machete? Really? 10 million, something low? Yep, 10 and a half million. So four times, it made four times its budget back. So that was a success. But Grindhouse, not so much. Um, considering that Machete was created by Robert Rodriguez, and he went on to do that after Planet Terror, which is one of the movies, a part of the Grindhouse collection, Planet Terror and then Death Proof, which is Quentin Tarantino. So did you did you ever feel like I know there's I, I know Tarantino knows what he's doing. So if he believes he made a a grindhouse film, he did, but of those two, Planet Terror, I think, aligned more with what I thought it was gonna yeah. be. And then Death Proof was a Tarantino. For film. sure. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And I would I like Planet Terror more than than death proof oh yeah for sure i think death proof is mediocre to bad Mm -hmm. yeah there i don't know there's a lot about that movie i just think is really just tarantino with his head deep inside of his (laughs) anus it's so true though (laughs) i i could argue too the concept of that is amazing i love the idea of two people coming together there's two different films Mm mm-hmm I could say or make an argument that the trailers were were the, the most enjoyable thing of that experience. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, just literally give me give me an hour and a half of fake trailers <laughs> from big name directors that come up with these funny things, and I I think that could that would be amazing. So here is something going back, and I had to return to the trailer for Thanksgiving, dude. I forgot how like grotesque and gritty and nasty that trailer was. It's yeah. Famous. And oh, it's bad. So he, here, I pulled it up at work. Oh, yeah. You got to be careful with some of the stuff in there. Yeah. It's uh, it's disgusting, but in the way where I'm serious, like I mentioned before, the the audience I was with, they lost it. That was one of the greatest reactions was watching it because we didn't know what kind of stuff we were going to see with these trailers. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like we knew that going in, that that was a part of the concept. And then, of course, that just aligns with, like, I love horror slasher stuff. So seeing that, we thought that was hilarious. And some of those ideas are adopted into this new movie. And I just don't know if they're executed as well or mm. if it's because we saw it in that trailer that the surprise element of it wasn't as good. And I'll say one example of that is the trampoline thing. That oh, scene yeah. starts up in this new version. And I'm like, hell yeah, because if you don't do that scene... In this movie, it's a massive missed opportunity. They oh, do yeah. it, but I just don't think it hits as hard. It's not as funny. Um, it's like that scene alone. You're saying that scene alone. That scene. That scene alone. I was going to say, should we just say, did you like the movie? We we've kind of jumped around a little bit because I, I had a lot of fun with it. I did. I thought it was. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a new Thanksgiving tradition for me, but I dug what Roth was doing, and almost in some ways, I'm like. This is like what you were born to make, like for mm-hmm. real. And I hope we get more of these because I think this could be uh, quite a franchise of, I don't know where you take it next, but it, I, I love the setting. Like the first like 10 or 15 minutes of this, I was super on board with. I'm like, I love the look, the atmosphere of Thanksgiving. It like fits so well, especially this setting of, uh, I guess it's Plymouth Mass. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is like such a great setting for a freaking slasher film. Yeah, and that's, I I, to, I completely agree. And the other fun thing is, with it being 
that New England, that colonial playing into like the birthplace, if you will, of of Thanksgiving here in America. That was interesting where in Eli, of course, he grew up with childhood friend Jeff, Jeff Rendell. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And he's like, he's like done, he hasn't done anything except for work with Eli on the trailer. I think he did one or two other things and then this and that's it. But um, I agree. I love the setting. It makes for a fun watch. I had a lot of fun. And I would say I love this movie. This was um, like there were a couple of scenes. There were only two others in the theater um, with me at the time. Oh, that I for real? What time did you yeah. guys see it? It was at a, a really awkward time of six o'clock that it was like it could be really busy or not at all because this was right obviously leading up to the week leading up to Thanksgiving. So I'm like either people are working, shopping, getting ready. Like it could be one of those weird things. And then um, and yeah, I, I was expecting there to be a lot of people, but it really wasn't like the theater itself was pretty dead overall. Yeah, that that was my experience too. I saw it with maybe, maybe three or four people in the in the auditorium, and they had reactions to it. But it wasn't, it wasn't the experience that I had kind of hoped for, which was crazy stuff unfolding on screen and people just losing it. And I was hoping for that as well. And that's where, even though I had fun, that atmosphere, that that you know, going and, and having people just losing it, having like a packed theater of just rowdy almost out of control people would have made this a blast but yeah that's where um i don't know if it, it's too early to tell right now i will say there have been certain things that have been on my mind after the fact and i keep thinking of and i'll either laugh and chuckle about or i'm like man roth does a great job of really thinking about certain kill scenes and you're like that's so dirty and gross and like it sticks in your mind. What what are the what what comes to mind with that uh with what you're talking about? The first is it's funny because you mentioned in the trailer, the the one that we got in Grindhouse, that trampoline scene is like what everyone lost. I remember that as well. And that in the trailer is like a standout moment. Maybe it was just because it was so bad, like violating that it was where it was completely unexpected. Yeah, right. Yeah. And something like that, I, I think that in this movie, like you said, there were several moments. That is the number one moment that it didn't hit the same. But then a couple of moments, too, where um, it just made you feel a little gross about it. And certain things where it's like body horror, like one of the cheerleaders where uh, John Carver stabs the cheerleader in the neck and he's like, let's have a pot. Let's have some wine or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like things like that, where it's like, it's funny, but then like moments like that, you're like, this is like, it borders on that almost like what Roth has been considered uh, to be, you know, horror porn or body horror porn or whatever, where he plays with this enough where it's almost like, it's weird because he isn't, it's like a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's his own style or brand because it's fun and funny. And then times it's almost revolting. Yeah. It's killing, but he's doing it in a way that you're supposed to laugh yeah. at how somebody's just being brutalized. Now in right. the, in the OG trailer and correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm going to try to say this as um, PG 13 as I can. Oof. 
So we get the same bit where the the woman or the person gets uh, uh, <laughs> put in the oven and baked alive, basically, <laughs> uh, and basted and all that stuff. And like her legs are tied up. Mm-hmm. In the OG trailer, is it an old woman? I swear he like sticks the baster in her um, privates or her <laughs> mouth or something in the trailer. I see. I don't remember that. The old woman comes at the very beginning where he stabs her, and then that's the first Thanksgiving. And then that's, it goes to the parade yes, <laughs> or something. Yep, that's right. I swear there was something with a baster. See, okay, this is where it. I've also had to be very cautious of how I say this. At the very end of the trailer, we get the reveal of like someone's tied up, and that's them. But then John Carver is like, having sex with this turkey head or something god for real <laughs> i need and oh, it's like <laughs> you it's it's hard to see what is happening but you hear it's a split second you hear a sound you see the motion and you're like oh my gosh what? i need to watch this again because i don't remember i remember something at the end of it being shocked by it and i thought it was something with the base see i don't the baster's not coming to mind but i watched this trailer a couple of times to try to pick up on a few things. And man, it was just like, every time I watched it, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so fitting for a Grindhouse movie presentation. But then you watch it by itself. And you're like, oh man, I, I feel like every single time I watched, it, I need to like, I needed a shower. So definitely. I don't know if we need, I'm glad we didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I was actually worried because whenever that happened, I'm like, Okay. Like how how sick is John Carver going to be? And then um yeah, so then that never happened. I'm like, all right, that was I'm okay with that. But the the turkey based, I don't I don't remember like I'd have to go back and cause that didn't stand out. I think it was just that final shot that just was ingrained in my mind. So we knew we, this movie starts off on a Black Friday um store event that mm-hmm. leads to the trampling of several people which is funny to a degree until you think like that's actually happened and yeah. it's like not funny but it's played for laughs in this and then obviously sets this whole story in motion and i'm like okay so what it's going to be is the killer is going to have some vendetta against these characters because of this event did you were you into the black friday thing setting up this story or um I get you need something, I guess, to have a motivation for this killer because it, it, it in a lot of ways for me, this movie felt like um, like a Final Destination film for whatever reason because they're like, they know who's going to basically be killed because they're, oh, yeah, we're all central to this uh, event, this deadly event. So for me, I think that's the movie that came to mind the most. It's definitely, as you said, it is a 90s dimension film. And it also is fitting because that's exactly what Grindhouse, I mean, Dimension made that. And that was one of the Weinstein like companies and it was dissolved. So it's, of course, it has that vibe for sure. And I completely agree. And as far as like the look and the way it's set up overall, um, is very much so that as far as like that setup with I love Black Friday, like how that was how that kind of spun it off. And this is me just thinking about it. I kind of I kind of wonder if 
what if it were instead like all focused on kids in school? But then again, like Halloween, Mikey is someone who was obviously not in school, but then I just keep thinking to scream because it, I think it, for me, it reminded me a lot of scream. Like it was trying to be the scream of this. I can't even say generation because scream is still going uh, very strong right now, but it's like trying to be the new scream. And that was the obviously being to mention as well. But um, those are the vibes I got from this. And I kind of had to marinate on that a little bit more if I like that or not, because I was starting to think, all right, so we get Patrick who ends up being not only the sheriff, but the killer. And I'm like, seemed obvious to me. Yeah. And I, it was almost so obvious that I was like, it's not him. And I really, I really thought we were doing the scream thing where it's two people and it was going to be the boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. The ex-boyfriend and the boyfriend. I thought, Oh, that might be kind of a fun twist. Yeah. And, and maybe that's why I'm thinking about, I would have liked to, for that to have been the kid, like kids or high school kids, high school students, because I'm like, that would, I don't know. But then again, it's just so obvious. Yeah. Like as soon as Gina Gershon gets killed and I, I'm trying to narrow down who it could be. I'm like, it's gotta be that. Mm-hmm. Cause it seems so obvious that I dismissed it, but then it ends up being that I'm like, Oh, it was, I think mean, it was just too predictable. Yeah. And I also think I like the Black Friday plot, like how it starts everything, but it's almost done so cartoony <laughs> that it's hard to take serious because it is a very heightened version of what's happened before. And I mean, seriously, 500 people showing up to this sale, like that's not, it's just too much. I do. So what's funny is um, that's where... Jeff and Eli wrote that in because they were inspired by actual Black Friday videos. And they're like, we don't know how to turn this movie into a movie. Like the trailer is one thing, but creating a storyline. So then when they started seeing the videos, hence why like the whole idea of like the one of the football players, uh, the video that he shot is what kind of shot him to fame online. And they do a lot of playing off of that. And so that I thought was actually cool, but also knowing the backstory for that, I'm like, I appreciate that. But at the same time, they're definitely, it's almost like, almost a supernatural element I kind of wish we got a little bit of in this. And I don't know how or what you do, but, and maybe it's where I just go back to Michael Myers being such an enigmatic character, someone who like is here and he's just gone. It plays into that whole boogeyman aspect. Um, And I kind of, I was hoping for a little bit of that, you know, here. Um, And I think that's another thing that even though I really liked, I had hoped that maybe we would have gotten some of that. Did you like the characters? Because Roth seems to have a tendency to have, there I mean, the main girl is, seems like a good person, but a lot of these characters are just, they're not my vibe. And I don't, I, I yeah, like, yeah. you kind of want them to die because they're just yeah. obnoxious, high school jockey douchebags or cheerleaders. Yeah. Or um, yeah. they just don't seem like good people. And I don't know if that, I mean, clearly that's intentional, but I almost wonder if you at least somewhat cared for these people, would that, maybe elevate the stakes or do we just want to see them get wiped off 
uh, you know, as nasty as, as they can be. I think, yes, that, um, I do think that plays a huge role. I will say, I feel like this is probably one of the better movies that we've received with Eli writing characters that you do feel more sympathetic toward, um, whether it's the main, uh, character, um, or down to even Patrick Dempsey as, uh, the sheriff. I do think that there is that quality where you care enough about him and others in terms of they seem like decent people. I'll say that like that. That's where you start to care a little bit more about them. But um, you do have others in there like Kathleen. Uh, Rick Hoffman was okay, who played Thomas Wright, the owner of the business, where it's like, I don't know. There's something about him like, I kind of want to see him like, I bet he's going to be the turkey. That was my mm. guess. Well, he, I know I did. I did too. Or, you know, he, he seems like a, a bad dude. Yeah. There's something about him. But then he has like a nice heart to heart with his kid. And then you're like, oh. Well, maybe he right. has changed. And-, and that's another thing where there are moments like that, too, where I'm like, it seems like they're, he tries to redeem them a little bit more. So that I enjoyed. Um, and overall, like these characters, you do have those crappy qualities. But I do think that these characters are just a little bit different, a little bit more redeeming or likable, especially comparing them to his other movies. Now the deaths deaths sounds weird um <laughs> uh there's quite a few in this and this one is like i heard it was pretty violent leading up to it and i think this one delivers on the gore um did you have a favorite one because mine might be right off the bat where it's it's post black friday massacre but it's the waitress something about that oh was, yeah that one felt like old school like horror where She's alone, and then you know John, the person wearing the John Carver mask, comes and and does that, and then you know he rips her in half. Right? Is that her that's yeah. put on the uh, the shop for the right mark or whatever? <laughs> yeah, like that whole yeah. thing was pretty good. I think that, or honestly, the the stepmom being cooked alive and then served as turkey, <laughs> which See, is this. <laughs> It's, it's so outrageous. It's so crazy. Yeah, that's that's definitely, that's mine. Um, I do agree the beginning was pretty solid. It was a great way to kick it off where it's a little clumsy where it's like, because, you know, there are certain things I noticed in terms of where he was like grabbing the door and it didn't, it wasn't as graceful as what you would think that it would be. I'm like, oh, I like this. This is the first kill and it's setting it up where they're doing this in a way that they're not like someone who's done this all the time. Uh, because like the way that, you know, um, he sliced her hand, uh, the grabbing of the door, throwing her against it, stuff like that, where a few mistakes, they're very subtle, but a few mistakes here and there. And it just made it even more, I can't say visceral, but more of a, um, oh, wow. Like this is, uh, this is a little different of a killer than what we've received. Uh, I like that. But then by the end, I thought that was also uh, by the time we get that oven scene, even though that's been teased, we've seen that so many times. And especially whenever we um, have her like escape and then he catches her and then puts, cause I was like, Oh wow. Like what are, how is he, what's going to happen here? And you think that she's actually getting away. And that was also like a really cool, like putting up a fight type scene, you know? And it's like, she put up a fight and then lost. 
But that has to be mine because I'm like, how awful would that be to be like stuck there, literally roasting? Yeah, now that I think about that one, that might be the best because it is there. It, there's some length to it. Like it goes on for a little bit. And it's just so yeah, gruesome. It's man. And the fact that and he's like carving her up, giving it to oh her husband, the meat. Her freaking leg, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I know how much you like consuming, so tonight you're going to be the consumer. <laughs> Ooh. And then, weirdly enough, whenever he's is you know delivering a slice off of her leg, I'm like, actually, I'm kind of hungry for I turkey. Kind of looks, put a little gravy on that. I might <laughs> enjoy it. <clears throat> I think I could have done it. I think I could have taken a bite. <laughs> Oh man! If it meant surviving, I would have been all right. I'll try it. Just let me <laughs> put some ranch dressing on I, it. Or something. I love how there are always moments like that where Roth returns to like his hostile roots, where someone's putting on this like gown or cape or whatever, and then um, you know that's kind of like hostile with the mask and and all that, and just like slicing in. There's something he loves about that, no matter what movie it is. I'm tempted, and I wouldn't do a complete Eli Roth rewatch. Because there's just too many movies I just I either don't like or don't want to watch again. But like <laughs> Hostel and Cabin Fever, I I kind of want to rewatch those. I'm a little scared to watch Cabin Fever because I'm I started thinking and remembering some of the stuff in that movie. Mainly <laughs> it's like dialogue, and I'm like, man, there's some yeah. really like bad stuff in there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, what about Knock Knock? I've it's been thinking so bad, about dude. that a lot. Have you watched it? <laughs> I have only, I think once, but... I might watch it to see if it's as bad as I remember, but that one's heinous. Well, I was just going to say that with the, well, two things. It is kind of like in a good way because it has that grindhouse feel. And I liked it because it was just, it was fun. But then at the same time, just the fact that we get Keanu, we get uh, Eli Roth's wife. Who's in that? She's one of the actresses. And then a young Ana de, Ana de Armas. So she's the other... Um, um, she's not the Ana de Armas. She's the mm-hmm. other girl? They're married? Yep, that's his wife. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's another reason why I want to rewatch it because there's this interview and he someone's like, so what was it dire- like directing Keanu smashing your wife? No, they got divorced in 2019. You owe her, you owe her an oh, apology now. Dang it. Okay. I do. I am sorry. At she one time, probably left him after doing those movies with him, <laughs> and realizing I don't know if this guy's stable. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe I should just go. Um, but yeah, that's that was at one time his wife. Um, well, maybe they can work it back out. <laughs> so the look of the killer in this, I do enjoy that. Oh yeah, which is real. Apparently, not only is this based on a real person. But the look is also based on his real, like that's what he looked like in real life. Well, hmm, I don't know if he wants to be, I know he's long gone, but. A cartoon character. At least that's where it's more of a cartoon design of him. So do you want more of these movies? Actually, yeah, I'd be down for it. I think that'd be freaking awesome. Yeah, I would definitely be down for that. Um, The, uh, I think it's a cool setting. I think we could return the other thing I want to say real quick. And we were, we were talking a little bit about that right before uh, we started recording, but 
the Nell, who plays Jessica, the main character who we follow, uh, man, there's, I, I was, while watching this, I'm like, I will rewatch this again just for her. Um, again, I was like, Eli Roth chose a great final girl, if you will. He he always casts, every one of his movies is just well-rounded with the base. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a prerequisite of I have to find the most attractive people. <laughs> and he succeeded. To, <laughs> to do this. Um, and then the guys can be hit or miss. I yeah. Well, we, <laughs> I will say I'm very surprised by Patrick Dempsey uh, playing the sheriff. Uh, but I dug it. I thought he was really good. I, I really enjoyed him in this movie. I think they probably cast him because you don't, because of who he is. Yeah. You probably don't think it's going to be him. And the other thing, too, by having him be the killer, and this is spoiler for another movie, but um, it's basically Scream 6. It's yeah. not the same motivation, but it is where he is investigating it and then obviously the one doing it. And I think maybe that's another reason why I started identifying this as Scream, like the closest closest movie that would be somewhat, but even though that's like not, I I think it's just the who done it, yeah, atmosphere or um aspect of it. Just feels it's got the DNA of a a scream or a final destination mm-hmm. or an I know what you did last oh, summer. Yeah. Now I'll say this is obviously I don't say obviously it's not as good as scream. And man, I know what you did last summer. It's not like a great movie, but I love it. Yeah, it's me something too. <laughs> that's like a. Fourth of July movie that we, or at least I watch, rewatch every single year. I don't know if this is as good as that. There's something about that I still love. Yeah, me too. I think it's like that summer aspect, and all of those who were who are in that movie are just fun. Like they're they're they're. I don't know. It's like you kind of want to hang out with them. These this crew, you don't really want to, except for Jessica. Like I want to hang out with Jessica, but yeah, she would be fine. The others were were tolerable to just obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, thinking, why why are you hanging out with them? And um, I will say real quick, the other funny thing was, I love how it was so abrupt and weird, but Yulia, who is this, um, who is like stabbed in the ears, and her dad just cop. shows She up. gets corn cobbed. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing with the dad, I was like, this is so dumb. It was so weird. That was probably one of the weirdest things in the movie. Well, world. that was strange. So that's weird. I agree. And the other thing this movie doesn't do well, it doesn't have a good ending. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking about the ending ending. I, I like the literal last final scare is just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's not a good setup for a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what is like they couldn't come up with something, so they're like, "Let's do the I know what you did last summer like scare," which is similar, and it just makes absolutely no sense. I was also a little let down by that, and it was like a fun throwback, but I'm like, "Yeah, it could it could have been better. It could have been stronger." I think if you're gonna do it, just don't have it be a dream. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And and maybe have it be the boyfriend is also like a, a maniac or something. I don't know. <laughs> Because he plays it weird, too. Yeah. Like, I'm like, this guy's kind of weird. Now, I one f- interesting thing, too, about the weirdness is that apparently e- Eli Roth directed them to, at different moments in different scenes, to act like they could be the killer. Just a little suspicious, and you're, like, questioning, oh, are they? Could they? 
I found that to be interesting because I kept noticing in different scenes where, where you were thinking that you're like, huh? They have two characters too, that like are taken by John Carver and we just like, don't see them for 15 minutes or know what happened to them. And I'm like, what's going on with them? Right. Yeah. So I think there's some misdirect that I don't know if it entirely works. Um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, it was a it was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, it was filthy. <laughs> it was violent. <laughs> That's the other thing is like these Eli Roth movies. Every character just like just curses nonstop. Oh, that's uh, it's just like can we? It's like a trademark at Eli Roth. I think that's like something that he's wanting, no matter what, to be known for gore and then just cursing. I can't figure it out though because he doesn't write these. Did he write, um, has he written any of his movies? I'm going to look right now. And that's a good question because as far as like. Okay, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm way cause wrong. Because I felt like he, because he wrote this, co-wrote it with Jeff uh, Rendell. Um, oh, he did the story. He didn't co- co-write it, but he did write, he's written like every one of his movies up until oh, this point. Oh, so Jeff wrote this. Except for Death Wish and The House okay. with a Clock in Its Walls. And Finn. I don't even know. If, oh, it's a documentary. Oh, yeah. Finn, so, uh, I forgot he's doing Borderlands, yeah. too. I have no interest in that. I don't either, but I know that is one of those things that um, he is, um, is just a lot of concern going on since because like he left it and he wasn't there for the reshoots. And Ooh, boy. So, yeah. So there, there are a lot of like behind the scenes issues or some some stuff going on i'm interested but i mean i've never played the game so i don't know i just i don't have any expectations i'm very neutral about that how did he attract kate blanchett and jamie lee curtis (laughs) (laughs) to star in this movie Haley bennett is in it good lord yeah it's it's good i i'd assume that is uh studio based like it was from the studio perspective where they ended up getting them but it's it's lionsgate <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, what yeah, kind that's, of pull does Lionsgate have? True. That's that's actually a pretty good. Um, Goodness gracious. Point. Okay, <laughs> I might do a. I might do a little, a little Eli Roth rewatch. Cabin Fever, Hostel, Hostel Two, Oof. and maybe Death Wish because I kind of want to see. Oh that yeah. Because I always forget that he did that. I love that that like I think it's Death Wish three playing in the background at one point and during the credits I noticed that. Did you stay and watch the final blooper, if you will, that was at the very end of this movie? No, what is it? It's so um it's the dad, Rick Hoffman, and he like delivers a line and the camera just stays on him. And you're I was like wait, is he going to like reveal that he's a killer or something? And then he just flips off the camera and that's it. That's literally all there is. It's a blooper. Is that a blooper though? I mean, (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I assume that it was, but he just like, you know, the second end. (laughs) Now, real quick. Did you see this? You're in, you're in Denver, Colorado. Did you go to the Alamo there? Yeah. And it looks so cool. Was it, was it cool? I looked at pics of the uh the theater and i'm like man that's that makes me miss alamo yeah i will say that this one here it's interesting because my sister and brother-in-law we were um 
talking about the area where this Alamo is located, send um, a um, this Alamo specifically, which is in Westminster, of uh, right outside of Denver, like a suburb, if you will, of Denver, and it's like a newer development, but it's from an old mall. And so they're adding new things to this, but the Alamo looks so cool. And it has like this nice retro, uh, not quite this, um, like a throwback uh, a vibe of um, art deco, but it, it it is a little bit like that. But it's, since Christmas is so close, the lights on the building actually stand out and look even nicer. And that was fun. Like that put me in the mood. That helped make it feel more like it is the time of year that it is, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. That's holidays time. But that was really cool. And I started thinking whenever I went, I'm like, it's so fun to like, even though I don't live here, to end up going and checking out theaters. I've done that a couple of times. And this is another new theater that I was like, well, I'll go and check out. And um, I looked, you know, uh, and found that was that there are three, I believe, in Denver. And so um, going to this one, it definitely seemed this was the nicest one that I've been to. And so they also have Dolby Atmos. I wanted to see Thanksgiving in Dolby Atmos, but I didn't. And I'm hoping maybe I'll be able to see a movie before I leave uh, in that. But yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. All right. Well, let's wrap this up and uh, have a good Thanksgiving. All I got to say is until next time, keep watching.